Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Chatter Podcast. I'm Tom Oglesby. We have a full house with Art Galoon and with Colleen Pasnick. And Mark Hager is back. We've, we've uh, strapped both Art and Mark in their seats here. We're recording on the uh, 27th of June, just 72 hours after the, uh, the Dobbs decision has upset Roe versus Wade. And we'll be uh, starting after we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I bind to thee, O Virgin Virgin, my Mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think we can ask everyone but Colleen this question. Where were you in November 1963? You remember when Kennedy was assassinated, and you remember. Yep. I was six days old. You were, Mom was folding diapers. Oh, you were, you were here six anyway. Six days old. Okay, well, you do remember I that. I don't remember it then. I the same in, question. Go where were you, Art? I was in grade school at Comkills, living at 1130 South Grand View in Dubuque. I was in, uh, I believe, Miss Flanagan's uh, first grade class at uh, at St. Patrick, and, and we prayed the rosary in March. Fourth, fourth grade, St. Uh, St. Francis Xavier in Darisville. For the rest of yeah. most of America's life, they're going to say, where were you on on June 24th, 2022? And where were you, Art, when the when the news broke? I was in my law office hitting refresh on the Supreme Court's website at, starting were, at 9 o'clock Iowa time. So I saw another case came out ahead of that. So then I thought <clears throat> Dobbs wasn't going to come, and then it came the next. It was the next case, second case announced. So you, you had an inkling, and then you thought it was dashed because something came. No, forward. I just didn't know how many opinions they were going to release. I thought they might just release Dobbs on its own. And then I saw another case come out. I thought, well, that's it for today. And I was starting to plan my day and then refreshed it again, and there was Dobbs. Mark, where were you? I was up painting statues of the Virgin Mary at St. Anthony's. And I was, I mean, it was tears of, of joy. Yeah. yeah. Finally, 50 years later. How about you, Colleen? You were texting me. I don't know where you was. Well, I was driving, but not texting at the same time, I'm sure. Sure you were. Um, Driving on Kane uh, right after um, Carter, and I heard the news, and I turned around in the Shetland Court cul-de-sac, crying, and headed right to the Right to Life office. And and speaking of that, I I was out of town um, with some canceled priests and about 300 400 people here we got a uh, we got a, a text there was a couple of guys with their phones and said it appears that Dobbs is going to be talked about this morning here so we made an uh, an announcement of an unconfirmed play 15 minutes later it broke and uh, I don't know what were your emotions beyond the thoughts what were you what were you feeling art I, I mean think- you've been doing this since University of Iowa. Well, before that, but that's a long story. There's been a lot of people involved for a long right, time. Right, but I, I what th- are you feeling? Well, I had always said to my wife, I, I don't think I'll live to see the day where I start a newspaper article that reads, Today the United States Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. I hear you. I hear and you. And now that it's happened, 
it just hits me that I thought the journey was to get there. Yeah. And now I realize, and I knew in my heart, the journey's really just starting. Because yeah. all Dobbs did was send us back to December of 1972. And all the work we were doing at that time that was interrupted by Roe v. Wade. And then the 49 years since where millions of pro-life people around the world have done marvelous work mm-hmm. to just not let the civil rights issue for the unborn and real the need for positive answers to women in crisis would not let that issue go away. Mark, Colleen, you were uh, tearing up here. What'd you feel? I cried. I put my hand over my mouth and just started crying. And then as soon as I got in the Right to Life office, I was hooting and hollering. And I thought, boy, if this is how it's going to be when I get to heaven, I'm going to cry first and I'm going to hoot and holler. Mark, yeah. what'd you feel? All I could say was, thank you, Mary. Yep. That's it. Yep. And for it to happen, I don't have a Catholic calendar right now. And we'll ask you, Tom, how you felt. I don't have a Catholic calendar update for this week, but I do want to comment that it happened on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which this year, because of Easter and the timing, that feast bumped St. John the Baptist to Mm -hmm. be the day before, the 23rd. But every year going forward on the 24th, the Feast of John the Baptist, as you'll remember in the Bible, he leapt in his mother's womb. And I think every year from now on, we're all going to leap for joy at this anniversary. The other thing that Father Joseph Mary had on the WTN Mass this morning was it was Nellie Gray's birth date. Fill June, that in, not everybody knows. June, she was the one that quit her government job to say, we need to do something about this Roe v. Wade because they were hoping that in the first year it would be overturned. And Nellie Wade said, she, or Nellie Gray said, I am, I am so committed to this pro-life movement that I'm going to start it, and we're going to go to Washington. And their first uh, march on Washington was in 1974. They had 20,000 people there within six months of that decision. So, and and every year it's growing, as we know, Mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like you said, Colleen, next year we don't march on Washington. We march on Des Moines. Mm -hmm. We need to keep this going. We need to stop the insanity that's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. and there's so much of this now that's going on in this world you know yeah i i think i'm with art uh it f- i guess when when we got the announcement that it sounded like scotus was going to uh, release so it was well fasten your seatbelts because you didn't know after the leak you didn't know what was going to go on and then two uh when the announcement came that it was overturned i had a couple of thoughts one I can't believe that Roe existed for 50 years and that there was the total illogic and nonsense associated with the legal, and Art's going to get into the legal stuff here, where, where the founding of it, but I couldn't believe it happened. But then the reality thought, game on, because that, that was, it, it was uh, somebody made the analogy of the Normandy landing, and we had a beachhead, and I th- Art, I think that's what happened. We just got a beachhead. We we uh, landed, got Roe out of the way, and now there's 50 other battles to be fought. Yeah, and the the thing that happened in the 49 years, I think for the most part, is science kept advancing, and although the dissent in the Dobbs case says nothing has changed in fact or law, well, a lot has changed. And we've just got a clearer window to the womb. 
So the pro-abortion arguments that were, well, it's a blob of cells, it's a conceptus, uh, those kinds of things just fell away as this whole generation of kids has now grown up seeing their younger brothers and sisters on the refrigerator in an ultrasound picture. Mm-hmm. And so Roe was always on a collision course with science. It was always on a collision course with civil rights because it had no basis in the well, Constitution. Well, it should be noted, though, during those 49 years of Roe that not one woman ever gave birth to a blob of cells. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I or was- a kitten. Good point. I was trying to remember in the uh, the Roe decision, didn't the court say if the time ever comes when it can be proven that life begins at conception, then this ruling is mute I don't or something? That. It Do you seems like. Well, I know they, they said we need not resolve the difficult question of when life begins, but in the decision itself, de facto, they did resolve it because if human life had begun before their so called artificial. Uh, separation of trimesters, and they never would have decided the row the way they did. Sure. So, but credit goes to the millions of pro-life people who kept this issue alive. And even in Casey in 1992, they said basically, now it's yeah. we've settled this down. Now it's time everybody just kind of go about your business. And no one ever accepted that, and they shouldn't accept it because it was bad law then. It was bad law now, and it just took some courageous justices to finally see the light and do what's done right and then free us free the country from those chains and now people can go to work and the work is really just beginning to to make sure that our legislative bodies restore civil rights protection of the unborn and really as a people through our government really help women you know when you see all these so-called tragic stories on tv where a, a newscaster and you're seeing a lot of them lately they're in abortion clinics so say well what what was this woman's situation well she had no gas to even get here she's she can't drive to minnesota or chicago to get an abortion we, you know and we're down in louisiana or mississippi and our abortion clinic is going to close and they talk all about her terrible problems which are there and the things that are driving her to abortion and then they say she needs abortion for those reasons and you know what they don't talk about hmm. They don't talk about helping her with any of those problems that are driving her to abortion. Yeah. No rent, no partner, no supportive parents, no supportive husband, too many kids. I don't have a job. I need a doctor. I don't have a doctor. The abortionists and the abortion people, they don't help them with that. They say, we're going to get you an abortion, so that will at least solve this problem of this little baby coming and in your life. she'll still be hungry tomorrow. Yes, she'll still yeah. be poor. and She'll, she'll still, still be, be out of un- gas. Yes, and that's what we have to give And women. we have $400 billion for Ukraine last week. Yeah, and $450 million for Planned Parenthood every year. Mm-hmm. But no. I, I'm, we have to really, as a pro-life movement, steal our resolve to take a deep second breath and be ready to just go, 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 because it will be a battle. So we've got Art Galoon, Mark Hager with us, Colleen. Uh, Art, you have been, I know, because we talked text throughout the weekend. Where do we begin unpacking this? Where do you want to start? Okay. Colleen always credits me with kind of simplifying things, so I'm going to try to just give a picture here in Iowa, then the nation, and then we can knock it around. So. As an attorney, I had a chance to go through this. So as we said in our last meeting, on Friday, two things happened in a week. So on June 17th of 2022, the Iowa Supreme Court, right. in a lightning strike, reversed a 2018 decision that had found a right to abortion in Iowa's Constitution. 
That was huge. That was amazing. We talked about it last week on the chatter, and that was episode 48 or whatever, and people can listen to that. But so what they did was, in a 5-2 to two decision, they, they invalidated a 2018 decision. It was like Iowa's Dobbs case, basically. So the 2018 decision by the Iowa Supreme Court was Iowa's Roe v. Wade, which found a right to abortion in the Iowa Constitution. Four years later, uh, June 17th of 2022, the Iowa Supreme Court reversed that and said Iowa's Constitution has no right to abortion in it. So that was on a 24-hour waiting period case. So the court sent that case down to a judge named Mitchell Turner in Johnson County in Iowa City where it's sitting. Now, the Iowa Supreme Court issues an order called a procedendo. That won't come out to July 8th. So nothing will, hap- nothing will happen on that case until July 8th. But, but the court in the Iowa case on June 17th said, we're also waiting for Dobbs. So when Dobbs comes, that will give the Johnson County Court instruction on where to go from this. So then let's move to Dobbs. A week later, this past Friday, June 24th, Dobbs, the U.S. Supreme Court, throws out Roe v. Wade. And just like the Iowa Supreme Court did with the right to abortion in Iowa's Constitution, the, the U.S. Supreme Court said there is no right to abortion in the federal Constitution. It was five justices. Alito wrote the opinion, joined by Thomas, Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, and uh, Brett Kavanaugh. They were the five. Then Roberts joined them in saying he would uphold the 15-week restriction that Mississippi had. I shouldn't say restriction. Protective legislation that Mississippi had. But he wouldn't overrule Roe. So he was in favor of Dobbs but against overturning Roe. He was in favor of the result. He wanted to stick with the Roe-Casey undue burden test, and he said Mississippi found, you know, I would say it's not an undue burden, but there's no reason to overrule Roe. But Roberts, the chief justice, could get no one to follow him, so he had five to say, no, we're overruling Roe. That was the majority. And then Kagan, uh, Stephen Breyer, and Sotomayor were the dissent saying this is the worst decision of all time. So is it 5-4 or 6-3? No, it's neither. It's five one three five being the five majority, but Roberts joined them in the result, so it's kind of six three, but it's really more five. How one, often does that happen, Art? Three. Well, they're all they have their own opinions, but the wonderful thing about it is if you read this, and I encourage people, it's over two hundred pages, but it's worth reading because you can really see them go after each other. And what the debate must have been behind the scenes in the Supreme Court is the same debate that's going on in living rooms and bars and social gatherings all over the country. The, the abortion issue and what we should do to help women in crisis pregnancies is a culturally, politically, socioeconomic, ethics debate whose only parallel is slavery in our country, mm-hmm. in my view. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the legal parallels are amazing. Dred Scott, where they found a slave, was um, not a human being, basically, in 1857. Piece of property. Same decision. It was a 7-2 decision, just like Roe v. Wade. And back in the time of slavery, the Democratic Party was the party, the Southern Democratic Party was the party of slavery. The Northern Republicans were the party of freedom and emancipation. And today, at least since 1980, the National Democratic Party, and really parties in each state, is the party of abortion. It's a pro-abortion political party. The Republican Party is a party that supports 
life before birth and positive pro-life answers for women in crisis pregnancy. So it's it's an amazing... Colleen's got to get and, in here. And you say that because you're referring to the planks in their platform, the, platforms, the party yes, platform. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But even even so, uh, the, the parallels run even deeper because isn't a, a majority, at least a plurality, of abortion facilities are in black minority neighborhoods yet to today. That's true. And the thing that I think the, the politicians don't want to address, and there was an editorial in the Wall Street Journal not too long ago that talked about the the African-American wing of the Democratic Party is not willing to face and address the fact that the abortion rate among African-American population is disproportionately high. Now, now peg that, though, because, I mean, the numbers are astounding. Yes, and, you know, there's some that would say it all began with Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood. She was a eugenicist. Sure. And she basically wanted the black and brown and minority communities to be taken away in support of the white, you know, Norwegian heritage communities of which the she had come angle, from. Angle right. I mean, she flat out said, word must not get out that we intend to exterminate the Negro population. Right. That's a quote. Now, Planned Parenthood has tried to distance themselves from that heritage, but it's disturbingly real that the fact of the matter is, and it's people like Martin Luther King's niece who spoke at our Right to Life dinner here a few years ago, Alveda King, who, who really, and others, really talk about this. And they say, you know, people like Jesse Jackson and others, who, and Barack Obama and others, African-American leaders, um, have ignored the idea that it's really a racist attitude toward um, family foundations in the black community that there's so much that abortion is put there as a solution to poverty and uh, economic trappings in the in the African-American community and and, uh, and other African-American leaders like Alveda King recognize this and try to publicize it and say it's wrong and there's also I want to say her name is Winsome Winsome Sears is the new uh, attorney or excuse me uh, lieutenant governor of uh, Virginia elected with Glenn Youngkin and she's aware of this also. And um, so you, you'll see that as part of the debate as we go forward. But not to talk too much, but let me just finish the Hold law. on, Art. All of a sudden okay. there, uh, Mark's giving me the helicopter sign. Do you believe we're at <laughs> end of uh, segment one here? Wow. Hold on. We're coming back for segment two of the Chatter on the Chatter podcast here. You can also listen well, Saturdays at 1, Sundays at 6, Fridays at at 1 o'clock on FM 98.3 KCRD. We will be right back after these announcements. Hi again, everybody. We're back on a uh, a joyous uh, journey here as we're uh, discussing the the end of Roe. Roe has died here. And... uh, the unborn have had their rights restored to them. Yeah, 65 million little ones are uh, are cheering that on here. Art Galoon is our guest again here. Mark Hager's in the house. Colleen, we uh, we flew through that uh, first 18 minutes here. So, uh, I sure did. We're back. Art, let's pick it up where we were uh, leaving off before we had to uh, cut that off. What do you see as some of the uh, critical steps here? Well, as we said, we had Iowa's Dobbs case, which reversed 
the um, founding and or the decision 2018 that found a right to abortion in the Iowa Constitution now there Trump, is no right in Iowa's correct. Constitution tremendously now we've had the Dobbs decision on the national level that says Roe v. Wade was wrong. There's so no, there is no federal right that's correct. in the Constitution. So where does that leave us? People think that's the end of lawsuits. Well, nah. there's too many pro-abortion lawyers out there. So even today, just this morning, there was a lawsuit filed in Louisiana because Louisiana had a trigger law. If Roe was reversed, Louisiana was going to have a trigger law that was going to go in effect. And now a judge there has issued a temporary injunction to stop that law from going into effect so that the pro-abortion lawyers will now want to litigate that as far as it can go. So the initial decision by state and federal judges all through the country is going to be really important as to what happens next. And if they make an initial decision to an, an injunction, it is, it is an enjoining, it stops the law from going into effect. So what that does then is it, it puts everything on hold. So then the pro-life people don't, don't know what to do, the abortionists don't know what to do, but they'll proceed as much as they can. If the law is if, if the law the pro life law that was supposed to go into effect in Louisiana is put on hold, then the abortionists will keep practicing. So, so, so what law prevails in Louisiana? You say the abortionists are going to continue. Was there state law in Louisiana that did it, or were they were they practicing under Roe? They were practicing under Roe, but there weren't very many abortion clinics in Louisiana, and they had their state legislature pass a bunch of pro-life laws. But I, there's too much information out there, Tom, so I came prepared to talk about Iowa. Okay. I just threw in the Louisiana thing to give you an idea that this is a, is a very much litigated thing. So let's talk about Iowa. So Iowa, for example, the 24-hour waiting period that was on the docket for consideration on June 17th, in which the Iowa Supreme Court said, we're going to use the occasion of the consideration of this 24-hour law, 24-hour waiting period, mm -hmm. where a woman would be informed of the an ultrasound, would be given information about the adoption and other alternatives to abortion, would also be told about abortion and the dangers and risks in this 24-hour waiting period. That law had been stopped in uh, Polk County Make sure I got that right. That that law had been stopped in Johnson County, and so Imagine Planned Parenthood, yeah, in Iowa City. So Planned Parenthood has announced that it will abide by the 24-hour waiting period for now. That's really important because that means the law has teeth, mm -hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna you know stop everything and give at least 24 hours and the law requires then that that abortionist has to sit down with the woman who's expecting and say here's an ultrasound of your child so we want to tell you the child's age this child waiting to be born which is what i like to call him or her waiting to be born inside of you is this old and you can see that picture if you want to and here's the risks of abortion you can die from abortion you can get septic you can get infected all these things and you can have psychological damage for a long time after an abortion. Which is big because that's one of the health considerations that the the uh, pro-death people have been pushing for a while is that uh, women can be psychologically damaged, yes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, so the status right now is at least Planned Parenthood's going to abide by it and the, and the governor has to decide what she is going to direct her Attorney General to do, Tom Miller. 
and she could do a number of things. She could call a special session for Iowa for the legislature to consider lots of things. Do we have a 24-hour waiting period? Are we going to pass protective legislation, as I like to call it, to protect the civil rights of the unborn from conception? They mm -hmm. could do that. Mm -hmm. So, so there's a big period right now. So, but why would the, if if the law is 24-hour waiting period, why would the legislature be called back in by the governor? What help me understand that? Well, the the 24-hour waiting period is only one aspect of protective legislation. Colleen and I were talking before we started about what Iowa's abortion law was on the books and has been on the books for many years. It's a feticide law in Chapter 707.7, mm -hmm. and it makes it a felony yeah. to to have an abortion after the end of the second trimester, except that law was written when Roe v. Wade was in effect. And it has a health exception in it that basically makes Iowa an abortion on demand up to the moment of birth state, which every state was, and this was the big myth of Roe v. Wade, that it had some kind of trimester protection in it for unborn children. It Not didn't. So. Every state in the U.S. until the Dobbs decision of last Friday had abortion on demand meaning as long as a doctor would say this abortion is necessary up to the moment of birth to preserve the life or health of this woman, you could get an abortion. And so the feticide law was never enforced in Iowa, and it couldn't be enforced against an abortionist because there was a health exception in there. And I would bet you 100% of our listeners had no idea about that. They had no idea that abortions in Iowa could happen up to the day of birth. I'll guarantee you 100%. I, I never knew that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm shocked to hear that. You so, know. so the Iowa legislature, in the, which is Republican, have both the Senate and the House and our Republican governor have some decisions to make that I'm sure are being discussed right now. Do they go back into a special session just to consider protective legislation for the unborn and expected mothers mm -hmm. do they wait until after the november elections and then do it with a new newly seated legislature in the spring of 2023 on these these uh uh so the iowa let me just finish this th thought tom sorry so for example in the 24-hour waiting period they, they're going to have to go back down to that district court judge and say judge this this case of june 17th threw out your decision now undo this let the 24-hour waiting period go into effect. Stop your injunction. And there are also, there's also, excuse me, one more. I, you know, I, I don't want to. The there's, there's three there's, one more. Sorry. All right. There's a heartbeat law in Iowa that was enjoined, stopped years ago. That, really? That was just stopped. That's still on the books. It's just stopped from being uh, legal. So the attorney general's office can consider going back and talking about that who, one, too. Who was that stopped by? Uh that in a district court, state court? That would have been Judge uh, Michael Hubert in Polk County. Polk County, yeah, yeah. right. I think I heard. Yeah. What what era was yeah. that? What year? Yeah. I couldn't tell you. And that. And I, so I, I, Iowa is is is. This is a spy, spider web here. Yeah, it's a I mean, pro we've got we've got, a, yeah. we got Polk County, we got we got mm -hmm. Johnson, Johnson County, yeah. we got a heartbeat law, we got a, mm -hmm. a every every state is going through the same thing i was going to ask about the legislature so the iowa legislature is out of session they don't get called back in until the spring unless the governor calls a special session. so they're off until from yes. we're now at nearly they're, july they're off campaigning for the november 2022 elections oh, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah what do you think so, the chances are that 
governor calls back the session? Uh, I'm not in the inner circle, so I can't I can't speculate on that. Where I, don't, do you, I don't know. Where do you think Tom Miller stands? Well, um, Attorney General Miller is an interesting case because he does have some assistant attorney generals that have gone to bat on some of these cases. The, the, so when the governor directs the attorney general to ride herd on the appeals on these cases, the Iowa Supreme Court, they basically have to do it. Yeah, Tom Miller's from Dubuque. He's been he's the longest serving attorney general in the country, and um, but for the direction of the governor, I'm not sure how much he would, on his own, push these cases forward. Now, on that vein, the reason elections are important is, for example, when Glenn Youngkin won the governorship in Virginia. Mm-hmm. He brought in with him a lieutenant governor. I want to say her name is Winsome Sears, African-American yeah, lady. Right. And he also brought in a new attorney general, Jason Myers. And, and the reason elections are important is because they have, as some famous person once says, they had consequences. So before last fall's election where Yunkin won the governorship of Virginia, Virginia was one of the 22 states that had signed a brief before the United States Supreme Court considering Dobbs, saying, don't overturn Roe v. Wade. Yunkin wins. They get a new attorney general, and I have in front of me a letter from February 18, 2022. So this would have been after Dobbs was argued orally, December 1st of 2021. The Commonwealth of Virginia wrote to the Supreme Court, the clerk, and said, we don't want to be part of that pro-abortion. So they withdrew. They withdrew. And they said, "Take uh, following the change in the administration, the Attorney General has reconsidered Virginia's position on the case. The purpose of this letter is to notify the court that Virginia no longer adheres to the arguments contained in its previously filed brief. Virginia is now of the view that the Constitution is silent on the question of abortion, and it's therefore up to the people, etc., etc. So the reason elections have consequences is because the people that are elected also bring in like-minded people, and you get a momentum going in a direction. Well, and they have the power. They have the power to choose the position of the state. But you're really talking something here that's rather subtle. You talked about very, you're tiptoeing here, saying that the attorney general of the state may not of his own volition uh, actively pursue uh, these kinds of uh, cases and, and doing that. But you mentioned earlier before we were on the air uh, about county attorneys and how how important these are okay. going to be in because in in the 72 hours that you've been uh, uh, doing this here sure bite your tongue now but the, the, these are going to be huge the Dane County attorney in Wisconsin the Milwaukee County is it Milwaukee County Wisconsin are are picking and choosing whether or not to enforce these here and uh, I'll just say this out loud because nobody else will. Dubuque County is without a county attorney right now. We are. No, we and have a county attorney. The, well, yeah, we do. The, the incumbent has been. He, he's he's uh, he lost his he's primary. a lame duck. He's a lame duck. Is that the term here? Yes. He's out of the election, and we've got uh, we've got a Democrat, an independent, and a Republican whose names are. I, and I know well, we're I'll not. I'll in, give them to you. That's okay. Yeah, we're not endorsing yeah. candidates, but. Is, isn't Dubuque County's um, 
election for county attorney going to be huge or am i i think so and here's how it goes so the same day that dobbs came out so they had this ready to go i have in front of me a it's a letter from a group of prosecutors called fair and just prosecution there's about 50 of them georgia california these are all various district attorneys and county attorneys like we have here in dubuque so some some states have them call them district attorney if they're federal then they'll have county attorneys, county prosecutors. They'll call them commonwealth attorneys. So, for example, uh, and you can guess, Wisconsin, Vermont, Minnesota, California, Michigan, uh, the Attorney General State of Michigan, and, and about 50 prosecutors have signed this letter saying, we are. you can change whatever law you want in our state. We are not going to prosecute abortionists for violating your state laws. Now, now let me just finish, sorry. People have to realize the prosecution, these prosecutors have almost total and complete discretion on what charges to bring, when to bring them. And they're, they're saying, their, their letter says basically, there's too much other crime we have to prosecute. We're not going to prosecute this so-called victimless crime. Now, as to Dubuque County, a victimless. That, yeah. that makes Dubuque County important because uh, three candidates are running in November. Scott Nelson is a Republican candidate, Sam Wooden is a Democratic candidate, and Richard Kirkendall is an independent. So all of them, your re- listeners, should ask all of them when they see them, what is your position when Iowa passes and legislates laws, protective legislation for the unborn and women in crisis, will you enforce them if they dictate that, that a, an abortionist uh, violates the law, will you prosecute that abortionist? And remember, we want to tell listeners, every pro-life law that I'm uh, familiar with does not prosecute the woman. Say the, that again. The, the woman who has an abortion now and in the future is not going to be prosecuted. They are a she's victim. She's not a criminal. They're a victim of corporate abortion, I'll call it. Planned Parenthood, which does 95% of the abortions in Iowa. That's corporate abortion. They make their money from doing abortions, performing abortions. Help me understand what you just said, though, about those uh, other district and, and regional well, attorneys that... that they're, they're not going to do it. They don't have the resources. It's a victimless well, crime. But... I thought, and I, you know, forgive me, I should have paid more attention in political science, but uh, I thought the district attorneys were part of the executive branch and had to do what the governor or or whoever is the executive because they're part of the executive branch of the, of well, the government. Well, they're, they're part of the, they work for, for example, the attorney general works for the governor. Yes. But it's a separately elected position and really part of the judiciary more so than the executive branch. But so it's they, kind of a middle So they're piece. independent. They, they're independent. They're, yeah. Right. So it's really important on a local level. And, you know, in all public officials now really need to be take a position on this because there's all sorts of places where um, city councils or uh, county attorneys uh, decide. Well, that's a different thing. I should mix the two together. But county attorneys have a lot of discretion on what they use their time and resources for. So the people of Iowa should, when they expect a law, especially on the moral civil rights issue of abortion, to expect that if the legislature passes a protective le- legislation for the unborn, and, and really on behalf of women in crisis pregnancies to not make them victim of abortions. The question is, county attorney, are you going to prosecute this if, if information comes to your attention? And I'll tell you how it's going to come. People don't realize this either, Mark. What do you see? There's a huge number of medical malpractice cases at so-called safe legal abortion clinics in this country. Mm-hmm. A huge number of women being hurt and maimed and permanently disabled by abortionists. 
And in those cases, my suspicion is that will be where the witnesses come to prosecute abortionists who violate Iowa's abortion laws. Because you will have a woman who's already a victim because she got put in front of the abortionist to do his or her deed, and now they've been hurt. And and many seek redress in the civil courts for money. But that's, in my view, that's, that's, that's a resource, or that's how this will come out. Because by that, that time, then there's, if you're in civil court, you know, that's public record, and, and uh, people will, names will be known. Not that people would seek that out, but I'm saying that woman who's now been victimized and hurt by the abortionist may go to the county attorney and say, I want that abortionist prosecuted for what he or she did to me. It's an automatic trigger. It should be. And, and the nice thing is that woman who's, who reports or self-reports, she won't be prosecuted. She'll be a witness for the prosecution. We're talking with Art Galoon and Mark Hager in here. Uh, Colleen, we're uh, exhausting segment number two here on a very, when very we, important day. When we come back, can we talk about what the, uh, what the medical field will be doing i mean the hospitals the you know whatever i mean what's what's their stance on what they've been doing and what they will do well we'll find out when we come back here on the chatter on fm 98.3 kcrd We're back. This is the Chatterbox on an, uh, an exciting day with a lot of electricity. Episode 49, we're uh, recording on Monday the 20, 27th of June after the, uh, just three days, four days after the uh, Dobbs decision that uh, rocked the world. 65 million young people saying it's about time. Mm-hmm. Art Gloon's in the house with Mark Hager and Colleen. This is, uh, you've been in the pro-life movement forever too. Long time. Not as long as Art. It's just cause I, that's just because I'm older. He's just the senior guy here. Art, we've got to get back into uh, two or three things if we can squeeze them in here in the next 18 or 20 minutes. Pick up where you left off, please. The question became, what do you tell people who say, what do I ask the county attorney candidate? Here's what you ask them, whoever it is. You say, will you enforce protective legislation passed by the Iowa legislature since Dobbs or reinstituted after Dobbs, that uh, laws that had been stopped that protect the civil rights of the unborn and call for the prosecution of abortionists who violate those laws. Abortionist prosecution. Yes, not the woman, not the abortionist. Woman. And that's what they should be called. They're abortionists. Abortionists. And so that's the question to ask. Colleen, you asked about another thing that's happening. There are studies that try to to say and specify what number of uh, abortions are abortions by pills. And the estimates have been as high as 50%. And people, people need to realize that the FDA has given approval to an abortion pill regimen, and it's a two-step process. This is also subject to state regulations. And states like South Dakota, which has been in the news a lot with Christy Noem, their governor, being a courageous you know, spokeswoman for the pro-life position, South Dakota, Texas, Kentucky, Arkansas, Ohio, Tennessee, Oklahoma, where Republican legislators have moved to 
curtail and, and, and have protective legislation keeping abortion pills out of their states, the, the question is whether a state can do that. The answer to that is yes. A state can say we will not allow the interstate use of abortion pills in our state. And the question is, what's the state next door going to do? So I know, for example, in South Dakota right now, they're not allowing uh, the abortion two-step abortion pill process usable up to 10 weeks uh, to be used in South Dakota. Minnesota so far has said they're going to honor that. The health so how does that work, though? Is that available solely at a pharmacy, or is there mail order? There's uh, mail order, and people may not know. There's two drugs that are required. The first one is mifepristone. That blocks the hormone necessary to maintain a pregnancy, and then uh, misoprostol is taken one or two days later, and that in the in the language where you see it, that so-called empties the uterus. Another another euphemism. Oh, and wow. this this has been offered to women in crisis to say, here's your basically an at-home abortion kit. But this is usable up till ten weeks. Now we all know the human heart starts beating eight, eighteen to twenty-one days after conception. So all of these will stop a beating heart. Go so ahead, Colleen. You want yeah, to say something? I do want to say something because I don't know if our listeners, you know, if you think this through, think about this. A woman takes the medicine. Well, it's not medicine. Takes those pills, death, right? Death pills. Then what happens? Then she's going to sit on a toilet. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's so much more traumatic in many ways than yeah. surgical abortions if they right. don't see anything. So this has been advertised for women in crisis that when you find out and if you make your decision soon enough, we'll get you these pills. And, you know, usually it's a few weeks uh several weeks, sometimes many weeks into the pregnancy before the woman finds out she's pregnant. So you have to ask that question. But remember, the human heart starts beating in its earliest form 18 to 21 days after conception. So we're talking two or three weeks. Yes, and the abortion, so-called abortion pills, the question is states can regulate the, and, and prevent these pills simply from being mailed to someone's home and them taking without a, a doctor's care. There's some states that have said, well, if we're going to allow this, we're going to make sure that that first pill gets taken in front of a physician, that it's taken the right way, and so forth. But as Colleen alluded to, what happens is women aren't prepared for the idea that they don't go back to the doctor's office. The doctor doesn't want these women in there having they're expelling their unborn children because of this drug intake in the office. They'll send them home, and then women will be distressed when the abortion second drug takes effect, and this can take days of cramping and so forth, that they'll deliver a dead baby in their bed or in the bathroom. And at 10 weeks, they're likely to see a human body, arms, not a blob of tissue, not a, blob of tissue, not a clump of cells. And, and Lord and God, forgive us. Query whether that really solves whatever problem that woman was having that made her choose that remedy. If she's chosen it because she's not supported, she feels. Art, long, you've all, talked about this for. You've been talking about the mom's bill here all all year long when you've come on in here. Why can't we, at least in the state of Iowa, we don't have a lot of. Why can't we, with that twenty four hour waiting period when they're talking about it, say this is what you're going to do? Here's your heartbeat and whatever, or here's what we're going to give you with the mom's bill. You're going to get gas. You're going to get food. You're going to get. You're going to get. Blankets, diapers, can't can't that be a part of the legislation? Well, yes, it can be, and it should be. Right now, the 24-hour waiting period law talks about adoption and other options. I don't believe it goes into specifics, although it does refer to it. Does have mandates in there that it tell the 
abortion is to make sure that woman knows about places where she can get that help. How about, how about we just have, you know, some money, some food, some clothes, some gasoline tickets or whatever here and say, we're going to do it. Remove every objection in here. That young woman has to be scared to death, Colleen. Mm-hmm. Right. You've, dealt, yep. you've dealt with for, a lot of for women decades. that have, yep, yeah. yep. And, that, just, and that's why they don't prosecute the women, is because the right. women are in a state of fear. They're often being pressured. That, well, the whole reason Mary's Inn opened was because there were three girls, ages 15, 15, and 16, who came home, told their parents they were pregnant, and their parents said, have an abortion or get out. Mm-hmm. And they said, we don't want to have an abortion. So the, the women, the girls, the women, are often uh, uh, victims of pressure by boyfriends themselves. And, and I'm going off script on this here, Art, but you talk about the legislation with regard to the abortionists. What about the people who are pressuring and coercing young women to do that? Is there any legislation, any leverage that can be brought to bear on that? I'm not familiar with that except to the extent states like Texas have laws, protective laws on the books where a citizen can sue someone who pressured, aided, or assisted. So they call it aid and assist a woman to uh, get an abortion. So that's sort of a gray area and going to be developed. I know, I'm developed. going off script That's here, okay. I think another service we could do for the listeners is a lot of people, you know, we need pro-life people to be unafraid to talk about this issue because it's so much in the news with their co-workers, their friends, and their family in every opportunity. And I think people feel inarticulate in sure. talking about this. And because always what's thrown in their face is rape, incest, and deformity of the child. That's the unholy trinity of the pro-abortion movement. And as we've said before, the answer to the rape question is, I saw uh, one of the people ask Kristen Hawkins over the weekend, who's the president of Students for Life, what about rape? Do you, do you really want a 12-year-old who's raped to have to undergo an abortion, and Kristen gave a pretty good answer. And her answer was, look, there's thousands of people alive in this country who were born after sexual assault. Are you gonna tell them they shouldn't be born, shouldn't have been born, that their Mm -hmm. lives aren't worth living? Mm -hmm. And then the rest of her answer was, pregnancy from rape is exceedingly rare. It does occur. So you, you turn back to the questioner, would you be happy, pro-abortion questioner, with a law that simply had exceptions for rape and incest and all other abortions could, wouldn't be allowed? Would, would you be okay with that? And they'll always say, well, no, of course not. Women should have the right to abortion in other circumstances. So it's always a door opener. And then secondly, or thirdly, when a woman is sexually assaulted and, re, and results in, pre, in a pregnancy, she's going to have a baby one way or the other, either a dead baby or a live baby. And the pro-abortion answer would be, here, here, have an abortion. That, that will help cure your trauma. There's no medical study that says abortion is somehow a cure for the trauma of rape. And instead of saying to that woman, give us the seven or eight months that are left. We'll help you in every way, like with the mom's bill. We will give you every support you need to bring that life to bear. It's going to be a journey for you, but we will be with you every step of the way, as opposed to the abortion people saying, have your abortion and we'll see you later. And then say... If you want to keep the baby, we'll help you do that. If you want to give the baby up for adoption to the two million couples that are waiting with ready and available open arms for that child, we'll help you do that. It'll all be free, and we'll walk this journey with you and support you and love you rather than say, here's $350 or $500, go have an abortion, and you've kind of been stained by this. Mm-hmm. And 
and so that's the answer to that exception. And once you, once you get comfortable talking about the basic principle, which is unborn children are human beings with civil, worthy of civil rights protection. Okay, that's what they deserve. And use, use the language that we use. In other words, we don't, bans, on a, uh, bans and restrictions on abortion, bans, on our, bans on off, off our bodies and all those things. This is protective legislation to restore civil rights protection of the unborn and protect women. That's what these pro-life laws are. We are pro-life. We're not anti-abortion. We're pro-life. The pro-choice people aren't pro-choice. No. There's no choice for no. the baby. Yeah. They're pro-abortion, and that's the kind of term we should use. And I heard Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor again in Georgia the other night, they were telling Stacey, you've changed your position on abortion. Once you were against abortion, now you're for abortion. What happened? And, and she talked about... Um, she said, well, I've changed it because I've become educated on all these things, and it was a bunch of gobbledygook. But then she used a real unusual term. She said, you know, women, these waiting periods and, you know, 15 weeks and all that, you know, you've got to really go, you know, you can't have a 15-week uh, because someone won't make their decision before the end of 15 weeks, and they'll have missed what she called a medical opportunity. So she said, if you have, like, Mississippi's law, if, if, you, if you can't have an abortion after 15 weeks, she says, we have to have women ha able to have an abortion after 15 weeks because they might not have made their decision then. And if you, prescri if you, re if you prohibit abortion uh, after 15 weeks, then you've denied a medical opportunity to all these women. That was the term she used. So the terms we use are really, really important. Art, strikes me that the, you're going to call them pro-abortion. I'm going to call them pro-death. I mean, this is what it is. If it's pro-life, it's pro-life, it's pro-death. The, these people, are they're well-funded and they're well-tutored. I mean, that a medical opportunity coming out of Stacey Abrams' mouth didn't just fly out of there. Somebody scripted that here. And it's, it strikes me that the, the pro-life people need to be as well-funded privately funded because we're not getting any government money but we've got to we've got to go to school we've got to take some people to school don't you think colleen i do and actually there's a lot of good pro-life resources out there that have some of these short answers that you can learn to give for instances of what about rape what about incest one of the things i remember hearing for either of those cases you know what about rape what about incest is nowhere in our country do we punish the child for the crime of the parent I've heard that before, and that would apply to either of these. Yes, and in the end, what the the death of Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision that did it is really exposing. And if you watched the protests and things that happened over the weekend, you really see this: is you're seeing a change in the pro-abortion movement from 49 years to now. 49 years ago, it was abortion's okay because it's a blob of cells, mm -hmm. it's a blob of tissue, it's not really an unborn person. Mm -hmm. Now it's changed to abortion, no apologies, no exceptions, no excuses, abortion on demand. Anywhere, anytime. And that's what they're advocating. And um, that, that, that really tells you where we are. And so for our listeners out there, whether it's the county attorney or political candidates, the question for the county attorney candidates we've talked about because they're the discretionary enforcement, the question for candidates is, when you're in the Iowa legislature or in the in the in Congress in Washington D.C., will you support protective legislation, civil rights legislation for children waiting to be born, 
and protective legislation for women in crisis so that the needs that have driven them to abortion are addressed. Do we have to go farther or do we need a national mom's bill like what is is hopefully happening in Des Moines? Well, wouldn't that be nice? We, The pro-life people, and myself among others, this is not an original idea on my part, has always been, why don't we put our money where our mouth is as a society and say to women in crisis, we will help you financially. And like I sound like a broken record, but do you need medical care? Do you need a place to live? Do you need job help? Do you need educational help? Do you need help staying in school? You can't pay your tuition. And, and do that both before the baby's born, and like the mom's bill, that's up good for uh, up to a year after the baby's born. And the other thing, we have safe haven laws that have been extended to 90 days. A young mother who doesn't think she can raise her child for whatever reason, if she goes to the Clarity Clinic or Dubuque County Right to Life or Mary's Inn or Birthright, we're going to help her and find her the aid. But in the meantime, she can take that baby to a fire station or a police station or a hospital in uh, all those places and deliver that child, no questions asked, no judgment, no fault, and say, I can't carry, I can't parent this child anymore. And we as a people in Iowa and in all the safe haven states, the majority of, majority of 50 states have safe haven laws, that child will be protected and a good home will be found for him or her. So there, there's so many answers to that. And uh, Well, we, Art, we're almost out of time again. We've we got about two minutes left. And the day has flown by here. Um, the mom's bill isn't passed in Des Moines yet. No, the mom's bill, as a mom's bill, was not passed, but the, the, the appropriation with the mom's title was passed as part of the Health and Human Services budget. So, so that, it's in there. So it's in there. Yeah, not as a separate and, bill. And we, and we don't have a national uh, mom's bill here yet. But. And I only dedicated $500,000 to it for the oh. first time. Let's Texas get, does $100 million. Yeah, let's let's get real on this. So we've got a... We've got Two minutes left here, and you've talked about it here. Let's let women know. What do you got, Mark? Well, I just I just want to ask this question to Art. If, if, if a young woman goes to a hospital and she is told by her doctor something may happen, you should have this, you know, the abortion, where, where do they go from there? She Does, needs a new doctor. She needs a new yeah. doctor, yeah. And we've always and, talked about this. You know, they talk about... Uh, uh, women who uh, have health problems and can't carry a baby for nine months of pregnancy who, who need a therapeutic, so-called therapeutic abortion early in pregnancy. Here's what happens in reality. If a woman is pregnant or a couple is pregnant and they want that baby, mm-hmm. they go to a doctor and say, doctor, I want to have this baby and you're going to help me. And that doctor, he or she says, you're doggone right. What's your problem? I got diabetes. I got high blood pressure. I got heart problems. I got a million things, and the baby isn't looking so good here. The early tests seem to say that this baby may be born unhealthy, but I'd like to have this baby. You know what happens? A whole medical team flies into action to help that woman because that baby's wanted. So in the same way with your example, Mark, what kind of message does that send to that young mother or older mother, whoever it is? That, that mother needs to find a physician who will help her. And if that person is out there listening to this, they can call Dubuque County Right to we got, Life. we got 30 minutes. Right. Let's go on Right to Life. 556-5960 five, 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 at uh, 2205 Carter in Dubuque. Mary's Inn, 552-6288. Five, five, two, two, eight, eight. 
if if someone is um, being forced out of their apartment or out of their home because they won't abort their baby, they need to come and talk to Mary's Inn. So that's easy. And and we can direct them to Clarity Clinic and Birthright. Those numbers are available. So we got all kinds of services here. Even though the and and what about money? I, can we can they get gas money? We got. We got I, people, I will make don't this we? statement in in our area of influence. Your this listenership right here. There is no woman in crisis who needs something who can't get it in Dubuque County in the tri-state area. From Clarity Clinic, Dubuque County Right to Life, Mary's Inn, Birthright, and all the people who support us. It's a great pro-life community, and we're ready to help. And that's happened since 1986 with Dubuque County Right to Life and Mary's Inn and Birthright decades, and Clarity Clinic also. It's The help is there. They just need to ask for it. And as I always say, there's positive pro-life answers to crisis pregnancies that do not include harming the woman with an abortion and, and killing his or her her unborn child we're out of time but you just heard it here no reason not to bring another dubuker into the world that's right thanks yeah. tom god Art bless colleen, Art galoon's with us mark hager's with us that's the fastest hour i've had in weeks here colleen amen, amen. in the name of the father and the son, son and the holy, holy spirit. spirit amen glory, glory be, be to, to the father and to the son and, and to the holy spirit, spirit. As, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Tune in again next week. This is the Chatterbox on FM 98.3 KCRD. We love you.